The VPM Daily Newscast is sponsored by Kanawa Capital Management. Your financial life is unique, complex, and dynamic. Kanawa Capital Management's team of credentialed professionals has been helping its clients build wealth and confidence through personalized planning and informed investing since 1989. Learn more at cancap.com. That's K-A-N-C-A-P.com. I'm Benjamin Dolly, and this is the VPM Daily Newscast. VPM reported last week that Republican congressional hopeful Bob Good violated state requirements on disclosing his finances. On Saturday, Good denied that his stock holdings may have affected his past votes on the Campbell County Board of Supervisors. Ben Pavier has more. Bob Good didn't disclose any stocks from 2016 through 2019 when he was a county supervisor. But his updated federal financial disclosures show he owned at least a quarter of a million dollars in securities as of last year. Good addressed the issue in an interview at a GOP pig roast on Saturday. I don't think this question is of any concern to the voters in the 5th District. It's of concern to you. Uh, But that said, every financial disclosure that I have filed was filed with the intent and the understanding to file it accurately and completely. As a supervisor, Good took votes involving two health care companies whose stock he owned as of last year. The former financial services manager says he doesn't have any knowledge of whether he owned the stock when he took the votes because he doesn't directly manage his portfolio. A campaign manager for Democrat Cameron Webb urged Good to produce records to clear up the issue. Ben Pavier, VPM News. A Richmond court ruled late last week that the Speaker of Virginia's House of Delegates, Eileen Fillercorn, violated the Freedom of Information Act. A judge fined Fillercorn $500, according to a report by CBS 6. In July, Fillercorn made the decision to remove statues of Confederate leaders from the Virginia Capitol. A Northern Virginia lawyer, David Webster, wanted to find out more information about the statue removal. In a letter to Webster, Fillercorn denied the existence of such records. Webster sued the Speaker. He also filed more requests with other state agencies, which showed that the statue removal cost more than $80,000. A new study led by VCU researchers shows that the toll of the coronavirus pandemic is much greater than just recorded COVID-19 deaths. For every death in Virginia attributed to the disease from March to July, researchers found that roughly one other Virginian died that wouldn't have in another year. Researchers say it's impossible to say exactly what the cause of those excess deaths is yet, but data and anecdotal evidence point to lapses in care for people with pre-existing conditions like Alzheimer's or substance use disorder. Although Henrico Public Schools is currently conducting most classes virtually, the district has reported its first student case of COVID-19. Alan Rodriguez-Espinosa reports. The student tested positive on Friday, and the district was made aware of the diagnosis on Sunday. The student was last at Henrico High School for the district's emergency child care program, which is overseen by the Richmond YMCA. According to the school's principal, child care services are provided in a separate building from where classes are conducted. The school district has reached out to local health officials who will notify specific individuals identified through contact tracing. Henrico schools opted for a virtual instruction model for the first nine weeks of classes, except for students with special needs, English learners, and other small groups. The school board meets next week to decide whether to continue in-person instruction for all students in mid-November. Alan Rodriguez-Espinosa, VPM News. Private schools in Virginia are seeing increased interest from parents as most of them reopen in person, and the majority of the state's public school districts opt for virtual learning. Kelly Lazara is the superintendent of Catholic schools for the Diocese of Richmond. She says parent inquiries grew this year by 65 percent. While we've seen an increase, we also have 
capacity limitations in our schools in order for us to be able to meet our own distancing requirements. So as a whole, enrollment is actually down. Lazara says the diocese currently has over 350 students on waiting lists. She says having waiting lists at all has been rare in previous years. A new poll shows Mayor LeVar Stoney is leading with the same level of citywide support he had as a first-time candidate. The poll was conducted by the Wasson Center for Public Policy at Christopher Newport University and the Richmond Times-Dispatch. 36% of those surveyed backed the incumbent mayor. More importantly, Stoney has large leads in four districts and is neck-and-neck in three others. A candidate will need to win five districts to be elected. City Council Member Kim Gray and local advocate Alexis Rogers were nearly tied for second place citywide, polling at 16 and 15 percent. Justin Griffin received 3 percent of support, and Tracy McLean had 1 percent. The poll shows the race could hinge on undecided voters who made up 30 percent of survey respondents. As November 3rd nears, the coronavirus pandemic and economic downturn feature largely in Richmond's local races. So how do candidates running for Richmond mayor say they'd address the economic recovery? Roberta Roldan has the story. Richmond really hasn't been among the hardest hit by the pandemic. Of the nearly 160,000 cases in Virginia, the city accounts for less than 5,000. But no locality has avoided the economic impact of the state-mandated shutdown. Policymakers and businesses were hoping this was just going to be a short thing, the so-called V-shaped recovery. Now, the longer that goes on, the less likely it seems that might be possible. That's Renee Haltom, vice president and regional executive at the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond. She says in-person service industries have fared the worst, which is bad news for Virginia's foodie towns like Richmond. Not surprisingly, reservation bookings went to basically zero when COVID hit uh, until about mid-May or so when things started to open up. At best, we recovered to about 30 percent below normal levels. With future federal relief uncertain, businesses and workers have looked to state and local governments for help. As the incumbent, Richmond Mayor LeVar Stoney is relying on his record so far as he runs for re-election. At the recent VPM NBC 12 forum, he highlighted money his administration has committed to helping residents. We provided $14 million to rental assistance, eviction diversion, and mortgage relief. Stoney has also touted a local disaster loan program for small businesses. We also provided a recovery grant. We, we allowed for uh, restaurants and businesses to actually turn those loans into grants as well. While the city has allotted $3 million in federal funding for small business grants, only about half has been given out. That's something Richmond Council member Kim Gray has repeatedly nailed Stoney on. She's also running for mayor. The mayor and his administration dragged their feet on getting those uh, applications out. Gray also criticized the Small Business Disaster Loan Program for only providing up to $20,000, which she says doesn't meet the need. But what would Gray do differently if elected? She says she would set aside some of this year's $14 million budget surplus for more local relief. I think people need all the help and assistance that um, we can afford them at the local level. Mayoral candidate Justin Griffin has run a campaign focused on what he sees as waste and inefficiency in city government. Asked about his recovery plan, Griffin continued to hammer that point. So what I would be doing, streamlining the processes at City Hall, make it work efficiently and effectively. By streamlining city functions, Griffin would hope to spur new development and business. Griffin's recovery plan also includes a one-time cash payment to the newly unemployed. It's not clear how he would pay for it, since he's also pushing for lowering taxes. Alexis Rogers is also running. She's a Virginia state director for the National Domestic Workers Alliance. 
Rogers has focused her recovery plans on advocating for universal paid sick leave at the state level. She says she would also work closely with Richmond's nonprofits to provide direct relief to families. I think you need a mayor that's going to be thinking about seeking out that kind of support um, in a way that brings everyone along with us, regardless of your status, regardless of your race, your identity, where you live, whether you're a renter or a homeowner. Tracy McLean, a lesser-known candidate, has also suggested the city provide support to businesses and set up virtual job fairs. A potential problem with most of these plans is that they rely on the city having money to spend on top of funding essential services. Tom Arnold, a finance professor at the University of Richmond, says local governments are hurting right now, just like everyone else. They've received a lot less tax revenue and a lot less business activity as a result of the pandemic, and they don't have the good fortune of being able to run a deficit. Arnold says voters may be turning to local governments for aid at a time when they can least afford to provide it. Roberta Roldan, VPM News. All the stories you've heard can be found online at vpm.org news. This has been the Daily VPM Newscast. VPM. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.